and we're back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Plane, where we're over here scoring tutties, I'm sipping on coffee, and we are so damn ready for the freaking NFL season. This is post-preseason week one. I am your host, Nicholas Filato, and we are going to be covering week one of the preseason while going over the AFC and the NFC West divisions, their outlooks for this upcoming season. Very exciting stuff we have going on in Breaking the Plane. So let me talk a little bit about my hiatus. So I traveled a lot this summer, ended up in Florida. I was at Phil Savage's scout school down in Alabama. Go to philsavagefootball.com to check out the details on that great opportunity if you're looking to get into scouting. And I was just traveling a lot. And then training camp started up in the beginning of August, so I've been a little bit busy. And now, the preseason's over. The NFL season is right upon us. I had to jump back in and start recording again. And we're ready to dive right into it. So without further ado, Let's get right into the preseason week one takeaways. Let's start out by talking about these rookie quarterbacks and how some of them really showed up here and some of them also had some flashes. And we have to start with Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker Mayfield played the majority of the game against the Giants. Now, the Giants secondary, especially the depth on that team, really is not ideal whatsoever but baker showed pocket maneuverability baker showed touch on his passes some pinpoint accuracy on a lot of those throws that really set up antonio callaway he hit him on a comeback near the sidelines he hit him on that slant that callaway took all the way for the touchdown then there was the touchdown to david and joku that seemed like it was lofted in there but it's put in the perfect place that split three defenders now the giants defenders could they have done a better job to maybe get their head around and make a play on that ball of course they could have but they did not and it ended up being a, the second touchdown for david and joku i mean tyrod taylor also looks phenomenal against the giants first teams now baker mayfield you have to give him the credit where credit is due this is his first time in action you could tell early on in the game he did struggle but he was able to pull it together. He was able to make the correct reads and then be very decisive with the ball. Ended up throwing for over 200 yards. Him and Callaway showed automatic rapport. Now, we are not 100% sure what's going to happen with Antonio Callaway due to this marijuana being in the car ordeal. We will find out. But that could be a connection that's going to be bright in the future. I mean, at least it came to fruition in week one against the Giants' poor secondary. But I ain't going to take anything away from the kid because... He really balled out, and that's what you want to see from your rookie quarterback. And he's not even expected to start. It should be Tyrod starting. Tyrod is a solid quarterback, and one of the biggest issues for the Cleveland Browns last year was turnovers, whether it be Cody Kessler, who also balled out in preseason week one, but we'll talk about that later. Deshaun Kaiser was a turnover machine, and maybe he was too immature to start. Maybe Hugh Jackson didn't put him in the most ideal situations. Got it. Check. One thing Tyrod Taylor does not do is turn the ball over and this is something that can really help this team help that defense stay off the field and then hopefully they can win a lot more games and I don't know if you guys are watching hard knocks but it's going to be a very entertaining season with Todd Haley with Hugh Jackson on the same offense obviously Greg Williams is a unique personality who's been around the game for quite some time as well as their defensive coordinator so I'm excited for the Browns future let's see how that all materializes through this 2018 season it really can't get much worse when you don't win a damn game in 2017 you only win one in 2016 but Hugh still has his job let's see how it materializes anywho 
back to the rookie quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, you can go back to the Hall of Fame game. He struggled in the Hall of Fame game. He used his athleticism, and you saw that, but he would make a really good throw, and then the Twitter timeline would blow up, and then he would make a really poor throw, and it would kind of be all negative. And Lamar Jackson, I guess you could say on draft Twitter, he's a draft Twitter darling because everyone's pulling for Lamar Jackson because a lot of people were saying that, oh, well, Lamar Jackson's a wide receiver. Well, that's ridiculous. This guy can play quarterback, and then you can utilize his athleticism, his ability to extend plays with his legs and then run the ball and be faster than some receivers that is a very dangerous weapon for offensive coordinators and it's something that defensive coordinators are going to really really stress about so lamar jackson still has a long way to go but he has joe flacco in front of him we'll see if joe flacco can keep up this quote-unquote best training camp that he's ever having throughout the season i mean the ravens were literally an inch away from making the playoffs but tyler boyd pulls in that pass And Bills Mafia just went absolutely crazy. And they ended up going to the playoffs. But we'll see how Joe Flacco, what he can do this season. Lamar Jackson, you're going to hear it the entire season until Lamar Jackson gets the starting gig over Joe Flacco. I don't expect that to happen in the first six weeks. But there can be packages that John Harborough and Marty Morningweg can utilize him put defensive coordinators in really disadvantageous situations really screw with them because i mean he's just a supreme athlete then you had josh allen and josh allen is probably the most divisive player in this draft and one of the more divisive players in recent histories because some people are in his camp some people are not and they can skew narratives to help fulfill what they believe what their agenda is because he is a very unique i don't want to say talent but a very unique player because he does have supreme arm velocity and arm strength and he could really fit balls into tight windows but then he'll just absolutely miss that wide open flat and he did that in this preseason game where he was accurate down the field and he made throws that just wowed you but then he would miss those easy throws it's basically been that same way through camp so far through training camp you saw videos coming out of him missing wide open flats and everything like that and you look at it and you go oh my god how's this guy gonna ever adjust and you see him make those eye-popping throws my thing about josh allen and you may not learn it right away in preseason is how is he going to be able to use his brain his eyes trust his vision and see what is going on break the defense down pre-snap and then when it's not the same read pre-snap can he adjust to it post-snap be decisive and make that decision and you're getting kind of vanilla reads against these second de- team defenses, these teams with athletes that probably are not going to be on the field unless a team is absolutely decimated by injury. Those are the kind of people he's probably going to see unless he gets first team reps in preseason. So Josh Allen, it's going to be a wait and see. I hope it's Nate Peterman and McCarron, they end up starting for a while, and I'm sure that's what will happen because Allen's going to need some time to work on these mechanics to work on this mental aspect of the game and you've been hearing this time and time again since the freaking draft and now you see it on the field you see that eye-popping arm talent you see some of the throws he can make and then you see some of the throws that he can't make which seem much simpler than the throws that he just made that's Josh Allen in a nutshell right there and then there is slinging slinging Sammy Darnold Sam Darnold looked fantastic and the Jets record their first ever preseason shutout in the history of the New York Jets going back to the Harry Wismer days when they were the Titans. They never shut a team out in preseason, and they did. 
right here at home, MetLife Stadium, and Sam Darnold looked fantastic, and it was amazing to see Teddy Bridgewater throw a touchdown pass to the under route to Isaiah Crowell. It was really great just to have Teddy on the field, see him be able to kind of step into the pocket, step into his throws, make his throws, and just see him celebrate and be happy because that was one of the more devastating injuries that we have seen in recent memory. So I love the fact that Donald was able to go in there under the bright lights of New York and just absolutely ball out in front of the Jet fans. That was absolutely amazing. Then we had Josh Rosen. Now, Josh Rosen didn't have as much glamour as Donald or Mayfield did, but he's playing behind. I mean, he's kind of in his element when it comes to playing behind a bad offensive line because the Cardinals' offensive line is not up to snuff. A lot of those guys are always injured. They lost A.Q. Shipley towards ACL, and A.Q. Shipley was a adequate at best, starter, somebody who is replaceable, he tears his ACL. Now you have to bring in more new faces. It's not an ideal situation. Josh Rosen was by far the most ready-to-start quarterback coming out of this draft, but this offensive line is not going to be great. This defense, even though they had the sack leader last year, they just lost their coordinator. Patrick Peterson is still there. Tyron Matthews gone. I still feel like there's a lot of new pieces there. This team might not be in a great position to have leads. So that's going to mean the quarterback's going to be throwing more. With a bad offensive line, that puts him more and more at risk. And we know Rosen has a lot of concussion and shoulder issues. It's not the best situation to be in, but it's a situation he's in. And Sam Bradford, we know Sam Bradford can play football. He's proven that. But staying healthy has been a huge issue for this man. He played two games last year with a knee injury. Case Keenum comes in, and the rest is history. He absolutely balled out when it came to playing in Minnesota. But with Sammy Bradford behind that offensive line, that worries me. That really worries me. And then you got Mike Glennon there as well. But I feel like they did a good job. He didn't play too many snaps, Rosen. They got him in there. He saw the field, threw, I think, what, 10 to 12 balls, and then he, he was out of there by that time. Don't don't leave him in there too long. Don't overexert him and do not put him in a position to get injured in freaking preseason week one behind a poor offensive line. So that's pretty good on the Cardinals coaching staff. Other big takeaways outside of the rookie quarterbacks, let's think about Andrew freaking Luck seeing the field. I love it. Yes, he went six for nine, 64 yards, but I watched him get hit. I watched him get up, and I watched him smile, and literally, that is what we need. We need a happy Andrew Luck. Is this going to make the Colts competitive? Maybe. Probably not, not in that division, because back when Andrew Luck would take really crappy Colt teams all the way to the playoffs with 11-5 and records... The AFC South was not that good. Now, they're very, very good. And I am still worried because that offensive line is just like we were talking about with Arizona. Hashtag not desirable whatsoever, especially for young quarterbacks with injury histories. And that's exactly what Andrew Luck has right now with that shoulder. But you got Anthony Costanzo starting at your left tackle. Jack Muart just retired. So now you have Quentin Nelson, who's one of the best prospects I ever evaluated coming into the draft. And then you have Braden Smith playing at the other guard position. And you need Kelly, the kid they drafted out of Alabama a couple years ago in the first round, to step up this year and stay healthy. That will conform a really solid interior in the coming years, but there's still a lot of youth there. And Andrew Luck needs to not be as reckless as he was in the past because he's a big boy. He wants to gain yardage. He's incredibly competitive, but you need him to be healthy. But it was just good to see him out there playing, being happy. Put a smile on my face. Probably put a smile on your face. Another takeaway, Harold Landry. Harold Landry, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, he's uh, very good and he's very flexible and he really, really put that on display against the Packers and you guys probably saw the gifts all over the timeline of him getting up the arc, reducing the surface area of his chest, dipping his inside shoulder effortlessly, just 
bending, turning the corner, maintaining his balance through contact, and getting after the quarterback. So that's what we all thought Harold Landry was. Now, I think there was something going on during his draft process, whether it be character, whether it be injury, because there's no other way that he would have fell as far as he did. But the Titans got an absolute steal there with Harold Landry in the second round to get Rashawn Evans in the first round. I mean, those are two defensive stalwarts right there that you could build a defense around. Not to mention you get Dane Crookshank later on in the draft, and he's one of those hybrid, versatile safety cornerbacks that you can utilize in Dean Pease's defense. And they bring over Malcolm Butler. They have Logan Ryan. They have a lot of New England ties there because John Robinson is a general manager. He used to work for New England. Eagles, another team, they're going to feast in these 12 personnel packages that they've used in the past with Brent Selleck, with Trey Burton, with Zach Ertz. And now they got Zach Ertz and they got someone who is about as athletic as Zach Ertz and is an incredibly talented receiving target. And we saw that in week one. Had four catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. And his name is Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard in 12 personnel packages, they're going to line him up in the slot. They're going to line him up in line. They're going to line Zach Ertz up in the slot. They're going to line him up. In the, they can do so many different things, and they're going to put linebackers on these guys, safeties on these guys, and Ertz and Goddard are going to be bigger, stronger, and faster than these linebackers and safeties, and it's going to be a mismatch nightmare for a lot of teams, and that's why players like Minka Fitzpatrick are so coveted because it's, Minka Fitzpatrick has the athleticism and the strength and the technique to cover bigger tight ends like this. Now, Goddard you saw it in week one. You know what's going to happen. They're going to utilize him, and the rich get richer. That's something that's going to be really scary for these NFC East teams to cover these mismatched nightmares. I mean, look at Dallas. They just drafted Leighton Vander Esch, Thad Castle of Jace. He has to cover Evan Ingram. He has to cover guys like Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Jordan Reed. And that's why you need these athletic linebackers who can match up and attempt to eliminate these really, really athletic tight ends. But let's move on to the most devastating part of preseason week one. Sadly, there's a couple parts to this, but we're going to start with Darius Geis. Darius Geis is out for the year with a torn left ACL on a run that was absolutely ridiculous. Now, Saquon Barkley's run got a lot of hype, and it should have. The lateral agility that Saquon displayed and the change of direction in order to find that hole was excellent. But Darius Geis' run was just as impressive. Now, granted, there was a holding call and everything like that, but he spun off a tackle, stiff-armed, and then it took four guys to drag him down, and then you saw his left leg kind of go limp a bit. And you were like, oh, well, hopefully it's just like a sprained MCL or something. It was a torn left ACL, and he is done for the season. Absolutely devastating, and I can't really say anything else about it. It's a shot to Washington. Obviously, Geis was a huge part of their plans being a second-round pick. This is going to open up doors for Samaj P. Ryan, for Rob Kelly. And Chris Thompson's role more than likely will not change. He'll still be that receiving third down back, very talented. But Chris Thompson has been ended the last three seasons injured. And, I mean, his injuries date back to Florida State. I mean, he's been injured so often throughout his career. And I'm very upset for Darius. And I'm sure seems like this kid has that kind of personality where he's just going to bounce back, continue, come back strong, sort of like Eric Berry did with everything he dealt with with cancer and everything like that. So you pull for Darius, guys. It's very unfortunate he gets hurt in the first quarter of his first preseason game. But football's a very, very rough and tough sport, and we'll all be pulling for him. And then you have to also think about the 49ers, man. The 49ers suffered seven 
injuries to starters on that team and you can consider Matt Breda a quasi-starter I mean he's not exactly but they're starting running back Jarek McKinnon was also hurt George Kittle separated his shoulder Malcolm Smith pulled one of his hamstrings Solomon Thomas came up with a concussion Breda also hurt his shoulder I'm not sure if it was separated but he did hurt it Jarek McKinnon hurt his knee but MRI came back it's just a sprain it's something that's only going to be a couple weeks it's nothing that is torn. There's no structural damage. So that is a huge news for the 49ers. Eli Harold, defensive outside linebacker, hurt his knee as well. And then Gary Gilliam, one of their offensive tackles, went down with a concussion. So that is not an ideal way to start this season whatsoever. And you look through some of these injuries. And this is just preseason week one. You have a lot of bigger name players who are coming up limp, guys who were hurt before the preseason guys like Doug Baldwin who more than likely will not see the preseason now guys like Nick Foles are having spasms in his neck Nelson Aguilar had an undisclosed injury Danelle Pumphrey an undisclosed lower body injury you have Nick Easton Pat Elfline Mike Remmers all injured on Minnesota's offensive line now none of them are known to be serious at the moment except for Easton because he had an neck injury and he's moved to injured reserve right now he's more than likely going to miss the entire season but in terms of Elfline and Remmers they're expected to be back they're just ankle and shoulder injuries but when you look around the league man there's this happens every time this happens every time you have if you play fantasy you get all excited about these guys and these guys go down but this is real life you gotta look at it that way guys like Marlon Mack comes up with his hamstring man this is his time to seize this job if this hamstring keeps him out which it realistically can Naeem Hines Jordan Wilkins, any of these guys can step up. Who knows? Christine Michael. I mean, that guy's still bouncing around the league, and he's still on the Indianapolis Colts. So all these guys end up getting injured. Arden Key came down with an ankle injury. Gary Conley with a hip strain. Joey Bosa hurt his foot. Obviously, you know about Jason Verrett with the torn Achilles. He cannot catch a break. Jake Ryan tore his ACL before the preseason as well. David Bakhtiari got hurt in the preseason game. It's time and time again this happens, and you just need to stay healthy. That's one of the biggest parts of playing football but a lot of injuries are happening you gotta look at carolina's offensive line daryl williams towards right mcl amini selatolu towards meniscus in his left knee now those are guys who were expected to start for the panthers panthers already lost andrew norwell so what is this offensive line going to look like right now you got like tyler larson you got taylor moton who's gonna have to move to right tackle now it's one of those things where you don't think about it oh yeah next man up mentality and that's the way you always say in football and that's all well and good but when you think about the cohesiveness of a unit losing one piece of that unit you're going to need to overcompensate to protect the new player in the unit especially if he is not up to par to play with the rest of the unit and that's exactly what's going to happen here and that's going to make the entire team suffer not just the offense because if the offense isn't on the field as much as they desire to be if they don't possess the ball as much as they desire to be then the defense will be on the field even more and that's going to tie the defense out so what's going to happen with the opposing team's offense they're going to be able to more than likely have more success against the defense it's it's a team sport it really is through and through and i don't really need to spell that out for any of you i'm sure you know that if you're listening to this podcast because you're football fans but little injuries like that man can go a long way especially these hammies and stuff like that because they linger they don't go away and we've seen that happen time and time again but i look around the league man I look at these teams and I see these injuries already in week one. And it's like, man, you just got three more weeks until you even get to the season. It's like, protect your starters, man. Protect your stars. That's why I look at the team like the Giants, man. Saquon gets that one big run on his first touch. 
And I'm like, okay, that's amazing. And they give him three more touches, and he didn't do anything. He tried to do college Saquon and out-athlete people, and it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. He showed everybody. <laughs> Look at his lateral agility. Look at his athleticism. We know he's good. We know he's going to be good. Get him out of the game. Prevent injury. Odell, don't got a plan. We know what Odell Beckham can do. Don't have this guy get injured. We watch that cornerback from the Browns, Calhoun, Body Calhoun, Body Calhoun, hurt him in the preseason last year. He missed the Dallas game. He ends up coming back and ends up getting hurt three, four games later against the Chargers. Got to avoid injury, man. And it's a damn shame that it's so freaking hard to do that in this sport because it is a physical sport, but that's football. That's just football. Anyways, that's a little rant that I just went on. But there's truth to it, nonetheless. Another thing that was really interesting about the preseason was the connection of two former Giants out there in Arizona for the Los Angeles Chargers. And that was when Geno Smith threw a bomb down the left sideline to Jeremy Davis. And Jeremy Davis hauled it in. Very nice catch. Very nice ball skills. Went up, grabbed it, plucked it. Ran into the end zone, breaking a tackle. And I just thought to myself, I was like, wow, that's um, that's interesting that you see that. And you don't always see that from two former G-men, but that's exactly what ended up happening. It was good to see David Johnson get the ball, even though rookie Chase Edmonds was the one who really stepped up. Again, this is preseason, but I remember Chase Edmonds when he was at Fordham. He went down to the East-West Shrine game, and he was kind of the big talk i remember seeing trevor sycamore's timeline at the time he was kind of the talk of the east west shrine game before he went down with an ankle injury so he's a name i stored away and obviously i played dfs like a madman you know that and chase edmonds was one of the selections and it came to fruition as was chris warren because he's been tearing it up out there in oakland's camp and he had a really good game and i'm telling you man preseason dfs for any of you guys who are into dfs and fantasy it's one of the most underutilized things if you pay attention to these practice reports to your scouting reports from back in the draft process you can really win some money against a lot of these people who are just getting the itch to play dfs but don't exactly know who is going to be receiving the majority of the opportunity because that's what dfs and that's what fantasy is about baby is opportunity and if you get the opportunity if you're in there for 50 snaps compared to a star being in there for 15 snaps i mean i'm taking that 50 snaps even if it's at the same price point i mean hell i'll take that all day and that's what we did and i I mean i've won a couple hundred bucks over the last and barely put any money into it over the last um couple or over the last week just through gpps and a little bit of cash game so i'm telling you get on your preseason DFS grind. Hashtag preseason warriors. Anywho, let's move on though to the AFC West 2018 outlook. So the AFC West, we have a very interesting AFC West this year, mainly because you got John Gruden coming out of the booth. You have Anthony Lynn with the Chargers, a team that was really, really close to making the playoffs and probably should have made the playoffs if it wasn't for a young kicker missing, I think, four, three or four field goals at the end of games to help secure a victory or lead them to overtime i mean the chargers are a team to definitely watch out for this year and their team i'm very high on you have denver with vance joseph and now they actually have a quarterback in case keenum how's that gonna work out what's gonna happen there with bradley chubb and von miller and then you have the chiefs with pat mahomes no more alex smith the bride of chucky chilling there in Oakland. A lot of storylines here. So the AFC West schedule breaks down like this. They play, obviously, each other twice. They play the NFC West this year and the AFC North. And then the two teams that each of them play, Oakland plays the Colts and the Dolphins. The Chiefs, because they won the division last year, played the division winners of the AFC East 
and the AFC South, the Patriots and the Jaguars. And speaking of the Jaguars, if you haven't heard, which you probably should have, Dante Fowler and Jalen Ramsey are both suspended from the team for a week for conduct detrimental to the team. It seems like Yannick Ngakwe and Fowler got into a fight at practice. And I mean, Jalen Ramsey doesn't need to play in preseason, so it's really, honestly, it's not that that big of a deal, but it just sends the message. I mean, Doug Marone seems to have control of that team. He has the backing of Tom Coughlin, who's a true disciplinarian in this game today. Anyways, went on that little tangent. The Chargers play the Bills and the Titans, and then Denver plays the Jets and the Texans. So when I look at this division, again, my team in this division, who I think is going to win this division, is the Los Angeles Chargers. I have them going 10-6 and six this year. Now, the thing about the Chargers that I love is you have two of the best pass rushers in the league on your team coming off the edge with Joey Bosa, with Melvin Ingram, both of those guys. Second year, Gus Bradley's system. This is the second year with Bradley installing his system. You drafted Derwin James in the first round who can play that Cam Chancellor type of role back when Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator in Seattle. Now, Jason Verrett injury, that's really, really bad. You still have Casey Hayward. You still have a good defensive system, a good philosophy on the linebackers with Perriman. Perriman is a solid linebacker at the NFL level. He's dealt with injuries before in the past. You want to see a little bit more from him. But I think the Chargers can put it together here with that offense that they have, with that quick attack that they have. You have Mike Williams healthy second year. You still have Tyrell the Gazelle Williams. You have Keenan Allen on the same page with Phillip Rivers. My only issue with the Chargers, and it's nothing to do with them or their play calling or anything like that, is they just seem to always be injured. They suffer more injuries than any other team in the NFL over the last five years. And it's always something ridiculous before the season. Like last year, Forrest Lamp got injured before their season. It just happens time and time again. Now Hunter Henry went down about two months ago already. Jason Verrett goes down. It's one of those things where this team needs to stay healthy to maximize how good this team can actually be. And I think Phillip Rivers is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. Now, if they can try to maintain their health, I believe the Chargers can go 10-6 and this year and secure this division over the Chiefs. That's mainly because the Chiefs' defense, man, it's getting old. The Chiefs' defense is getting older and, in turn, getting slower. They lost their main cover cornerback, Marcus Peters, gets traded to the Rams. And I look at this team, and I love their offensive weapons. This team could be just amazing offensively. And, yes, Pat Mahomes is essentially a rookie quarterback because he didn't really play last year until Week 17, but he has a year of the system under his belt. You bring in Sammy Watkins. Absolutely love it. Tyreek Hill mismatch because of his speed obviously Travis Kelsey huge mismatch when it comes to against linebackers safeties he's going to burn them he's going to outmuscle them he's bigger and he is stronger and they probably beat the Titans in the playoffs if he doesn't go down with that head injury people tend to forget that the offensive line is solid offensive line with Eric Fisher Mitch Morse Cam Irving Mitchell Schwartz starting at right tackle then you have Kareem Hunt who just led the league in rushing now, I love their offense I think they could be incredibly explosive, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on Sammy Watkins. I think Sammy Watkins can be very productive in this offense. Yes, they lost Matt Nagy. That's something that you have to acknowledge. It's the offensive coordinator. Does Andy Reid call the plays? Yes, but still, you lose an offensive coordinator, somebody as respected as Matt Nagy, it's something. But I don't expect the, deep, the offense to suffer that much. It's the defense I'm a bit worried about. Justin Houston is a little bit older now. 
you need Chris Jones to kind of step up here. Alan Bailey is a solid player as a right end, but he's not going to give you that athleticism to rush the passer. You need guys like D4, guys who were first-round picks, second-round picks to step up and play to that level. You're lucky you have Eric Berry back, but your starting corners right now are Steven Nelson and Kendall Fuller, who's going to be playing the slot nickel corner more than likely, but he is a very, very talented cornerback, and that was kind of a steal how they got him in that Alex Smith trade. So that is somebody I really like. And then you're going to need guys like David Amerson, who they signed over from the Raiders, Tremaine Smith, who is a rookie. These guys are going to need to step up a little bit more here because the secondary is the thing I'm a little bit worried about. Justin Houston is going to need to get to that level of play that he has before in the past, but he is getting older. Then you have Anthony Hitchens. So I like the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs can make the playoffs. I really do. But with the defense being a little bit lackluster, I could see them going 9-7. and seven. They also got to play the Patriots, and they got to play the Jaguars because they won the division last year. And both of those games are obviously very difficult games to win and kansas city has jacksonville at home but they have to go to new england the next week and that's in week five and six and they start the season off on two road games one going west to los angeles against the chargers and then they got to go the very next week east to pittsburgh so their schedule really doesn't help them out all that much and that is another reason why i'm a little iffy on them being as dominant as they have been because of the losses on their defense because their schedule doesn't help them out in an abundant manner because they did come in first and when it comes to the nfc teams they have to play they got to go up to seattle now seattle's defense is nowhere near what they were but still playing in seattle is still a difficult place to play i can see this chiefs team going 10 and 6 9 and 7 somewhere around there possibly either winning division getting the wild card i have the chargers right now winning the division but we need pat mahomes to put it all together to really mature and to grow under andy reed who is an excellent offensive mind but you need that defense to be able to make key stops against some really good teams in the nfc and the afc and we'll see if they can do that so i have nine and seven for the chiefs but moving on to the denver broncos now the denver broncos you bring in a competent quarterback in case keenum your offensive line is still not something that is a top half offensive line in the league but case keenum is going to fix a lot of problems because he can actually push the ball to the boundary he can actually make pinpoint throws to the likes that trevor simeon could not and you bring in Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, the replacements for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, more than likely. But you have four very reliable receivers. Your tight ends are still not something that you really would love. I think Jeff Hewerman is listed as a starter right now with Jake Butt being somebody, if he comes back healthy, because remember he suffered a torn ACL in the Orange Bowl, and he basically didn't play at all last year. When Jake Butt comes back, he does have a skill set that could be utilized, but we have yet to see it but this team don't mistake it is going to want to run the ball now musgrave bill musgrave is their offensive coordinator he likes to pound the rock they draft royce freeman Devontae booker they're still expecting something from you draft the garrett bowles in the first round last year and brought in ronald leary still have matt paradis connor mcgovern jared veldier as your starters in the front and they're going to want to run the ball run the ball to set up the play action to set up the pass to not put too much on case keenum's plate they're going to have a recipe similar to the 2015 championship. They have a very, very good defense that can help them win games. So just don't turn the ball over. But you have a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over 
and who is competent and has a much better arm, a much, much better arm than anything that they've had for quite some time, going back to when Peyton Manning actually had a really strong arm. And that was a long time ago because Paxton Lynch has yet to put it together. Chad Kelly, he's not there yet either. So you can run the ball, rely on your defense, set up the play action, utilize DT, utilize Emmanuel Sanders. You have these exciting rookies at receiver. So I have the Broncos right here with a defense that used to be very, very feared. And I love the fact that Bradley Bradley Chubb, but they lost to Keeb Tlaib. Now they're starting corners. You have Chris Harris still, who is one of the top corners in the league. You drafted Isaac Yadam out of Boston College. They're going to be expecting something out of him. You have Bradley Roby as the other starter. That is not as intimidating as it once was. The team as a whole isn't as intimidating as it once was. They're bringing Dumacup Pecco from Cincinnati. You still have Adam Gotsis, Brandon Marshall, and Todd Davis they brought back this year. But obviously the defense is built around this pass rush. I have the Broncos going 7-9. and nine. So... I don't necessarily think they're a playoff team, but they have definitely upgraded quite a bit from where they were last season. And then finally, I have Oakland. Now, Oakland is a team that is is frustrating because it seems like they have two decision makers there that have two different philosophies in Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden, who just signed a 10-year contract. They bring in a lot of veterans, people who can understand the playbook, people who can understand the verbiage of John Gruden's offense and that's what John Gruden wants but Khalil Mack I got to start with Khalil Mack right now it's seeming like he might not play for Oakland this season and it does not seem like that relationship is in, in very good state right now between him and his new head coach and there's rumors that he might get traded to the Packers which sort of makes sense if you think about it because Reggie McKenzie has a lot of ties with the Packers from his time there and Jordy Nelson was there he signed with Oakland I mean there's a lot of ties between those two franchises but I look at Oakland man and you draft the Colton Miller Donald Penn he could be injured again he's getting older and older you might have to rely on Colton Miller to start and he isn't exactly a player who's ready to start he's a fantastic athlete but I don't think he's quite there to be starting and he could really expose Derek Carr which isn't good now this team wants to run the football remember back when they Everyone talked about Kelechi Osemele. They talked about Gabe Jackson. They talked about that offensive line. And that was back when Latavius Murray was their running back. Now you have Marshawn Lynch. He looked really good in preseason, busting off long runs. You bring in young guys, the kid out of Texas, Chris Warren, that we mentioned before. That was an undrafted free agent, but still somebody who is opening eyes up in camp. You still have DeAndre Washington. You still have Jalen Richard. But I just don't think this team, without Khalil Mack, so that's what I'm going under right now, Without Khalil Mack, this team is like a five or six win team with the philosophy that they want to rely on a defense that isn't exactly in great shape. Now, you drafted Obi Mellon Fonwu not that long ago, two years ago, and he just can't stay healthy whatsoever. Then you have Tank Carradine, Mario Edwards, Justin Ellis on the line with Bruce Irving, and Tahir Whitehead, who you brought over from Detroit. So Gary and Conley, somebody who's a little dinged up right now, very highly regarded coming out of Ohio State, was a little dinged up last year as well. You bring in Rashawn Melvin. Those are the guys you're going to be relying on. Carl Joseph, again, you're going to be relying on him. But this defense isn't exactly, isn't exactly super strong. You drafted P.J. Hill very, very early in the second round. Arden Key in the third. Now Arden Key, somebody that you can definitely utilize. It's just you need to keep him happy. Keep Key happy. And you got Maurice Hurst, 
who is an excellent top 25 type talent in this draft, but because of heart issues, he fell. That's where he is right now. He fell to the fifth round, but he's somebody that they can definitely utilize. But I can see them being a five-win team without Khalil Mack. So that's something that's honestly very concerning. But let's move on to the NFC West real quick. I'm already going a little bit too long. Alrighty, the NFC West. I look at this team. This whole division, okay? Very, very interesting division. The NFC West plays the AFC West and the AFC North. And the Rams, who won the division last year, have to play the Saints and the Eagles because those are the two teams that won the other divisions that they're not playing in their respective conference. The 49ers play the Buccaneers and the Giants. Seahawks play the Panthers and the Cowboys. And the Cardinals play the Falcons and the Redskins. I look at the Rams. The Rams scored so many points last year. And they won a lot of games like 58-49 to and just ridiculous games like that because their defense was really not that good and you bring in marcus peters you bring in dominican sue and you add all of these pieces you retain a lot of that defensive talent and it's one of those things where i'm like wow they could still they could put up all these points but when you have the kind of talent on defense they're not even going to have to they're just going to run the ball and kill the clock and get out of there and i look at this defensive front man you got aaron donald if he comes back and he plays and that's going to be a big deal. Now, you need to retain him. I have more faith in them retaining him than I do Khalil Mack being retained by Oakland, but that is something they need to take care of. And I'll repeat that again. They need to take care of it. But you bring in Aqib Talib, who obviously has a relationship with the hashtag son of bum himself, Wade Phillips. You have Roby Coleman, and his name is Nickel Roby Coleman. He can play Nickel back as well. Marcus Peters, Sam Shields. That is a solid secondary right there at the cornerback position you have john johnson second year player out of boston college who stepped up last year you retained lamarcus joiner which was big and then you have that line of the dominican sue mm, geez you add all these people and that is a recipe for a very very good defense if you can manage these personalities because you have sue to leave those are some strong personalities peters very strong personality you need to be able to keep all of these guys happy on this defense and when you look at the offense, you still have Whitworth, Saffold, and John Sullivan. Solid core on that offensive line. Jamon Brown and Rob Havenstein on the right side. And you lost Sammy Watkins, but you bring in Brandon Cooks. So you have Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup with young Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. The Rams are in for another good season. And you only upgraded the defense. So I look at this team and I see 11-5, 12-4 winning the division. I look at the 49ers. They play, again, the Giants and the Buccaneers. They have a lot of injuries right now, the 49ers. And we went over that earlier in this episode. But I look at this team, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he can go out, he can date porn, so he can do whatever he wants. I do not care. The guy plays very well. He's a good football player. That offensive line is a little concerning at the moment. But you've got Pierre Garçon coming back, very solid route-running receiver, very competitively tough receiver who blocks is very very willing to do all those things marcus goodwin has his role on that team as that very speedy deep threat who can take the top off of defense as george kittle hopefully can come back because he's a very very athletic tight end and then they brought in jarek mckinnon on a very big deal for a running back and we know how kyle shanahan gets the most out of all of his running backs that are in his system we've seen it time and time again with devonta freeman in the past we've seen it going back to his days with the browns going back to his days with the texans stevie slayton remember those kind of days yes those were all kyle shanahan's running backs and that goes back to his old man i mean his old man used to do that with terrell davis and everything like that but it's neither here nor there the niners defense should be better if reuben foster can stay healthy and be on that field the entire time if reuben foster can stay healthy this team 
is going to be in relatively good shape when it comes to the defense. Now, Richard Sherman, I can't expect much out of him. Akilah Witherspoon, a second-year player, we he shows flashes, but he needs to be more physical, especially when it comes to the run support in the run game. But that defensive line, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, that's solid right there. That's very, very solid. But I see this team going 9-7, and seven, potentially sneaking in to a playoff spot. 9-7, and 10-6, somewhere around there. I'm being very indecisive. But that's where I'm going to go with those two. And then I look at Seattle. I do not see Seattle being Seattle bold. I see them going 6-10. and 10. Outside of Russell Wilson, you have a lot of young pieces on the defense, and you lost a lot of your identity. Earl Thomas is not happy whatsoever, and your offensive line is beat up. Doug Baldwin's already suffering injuries. You spent a first-round pick on Penny. And you're already having questions, is Chris Carson going to be the guy? No, Penny's going to be the guy. They spent a first-round pick on him, but that's very high when your team does not have that much. Now, the thing that gets them to six wins is the fact that Russell Wilson is just one of the best quarterbacks in this league. You bring in Brian Schottenheimer, man. And Brian Schottenheimer, he's had success with the Jets as a coordinator, but he wants to run the football. I don't know if this team can do it with that offensive line. And with the defense, that is not the defense of old. It's not the 12-man defense. It's not the Legion boom. You're going to need Russell Wilson to be Russell Wilson, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I don't know if it's going to fit the identity. So I have them going 6-10. and 10. And then you have the Cardinals, 5-11. and 11. Now the Cardinals, again, their offensive line, somewhat beat up. Your best offensive line is probably Justin Pugh, who you brought over from the Giants. And I really like Justin Pugh, but he's injured a lot. He suffers a lot of injuries. There's really nothing you can do about that. And the defense, you have the sack leader from last year, and you have one of the best corners in the game. You have a lot of talent and like hybrid kind of players that fit what James Betcher want to do, and they'll fit into this defense. I still expect this team to run a lot of cover th- one concepts, a lot of man coverage. Daniel Buchanan's already dealing with injuries, though. Buda Baker's going to step into that timer math and you roll and play well. But Robert Kandiche, you haven't gotten anything out of this guy. You haven't gotten anything out of him yet. You need, on the offensive side, guys like Mikey Upati to stay healthy. Andre Smith to stay healthy. DJ Humphreys to stay healthy. Chad Williams, who's dealing with a little bit of an injury right now in training camp. You're going to be relying on him. Third-round pick out of Grambling State last year. You're bringing Bryce Butler from Dallas. Is J.J. Nelson going to make the team? There's just a lot of question marks here. And I don't like the fact that Sam Bradford, Josh Rosen both have injury history. But I'm very, very excited for David Johnson. And I can see David Johnson cracking the thousand for thousand because he's that much of a ridiculous athlete. I think he has 96% of the spark score. And Saquon was 99%. It's just crazy how athletic those guys are. Some of the funnest running backs to watch play. But I have them going 5-11. and 11. And that's my roundup for the AFC and the NFC West along with preseason week one roundup i hope you enjoyed this show make it quicker than i usually do and i'm gonna bounce out of here now hey you guys have a lovely day night afternoon whatever it is for you just have a lovely day take care now.